Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The edge of the box and Taylor is quite deep. Taylor thinking about a shot, looking for a chip ball oh, forward. Ball. It's a lovely ball to Dixdale on the box. Dixdale! Anthony yeah! Dixdale <laughs> scores his first goal and goal! <laughs> and what a finish by the youngster! Oh. Of all players arriving in the penalty area, a great first touch and a superb finish past Anik and Charlton have the lead. I'm going to send my apologies to Anthony Dixdale because when that ball was chipped across by Lyle Taylor, it was heading towards both Aribo and Anthony Dixdale. Aribo realised he couldn't get there, it dropped to the Charlton right back and just for a split second he thought, oh, if only it could have been Joe Aribo, but Anthony Dixdale finished with his right foot with absolute quality and across the right-hand side, back across Ormwick, who had no chance in keeping it out. Charlton take the lead. Breeze to take the corner, swings it in. It's a decent look at delivery. Arebo jumps. Yeah, Arebo yeah. scores. Oh, oh yeah. Joe Arebo gets to the ball. It's a free header for the Charlton youngster. He just guides it past. I think it was Morris on the line. It was Hamill, in fact. He just couldn't keep it out. The Charlton have their important second goal. Well, for all the. Uh... Huff and puff have scummed over the last few minutes and Charlton worried about uh, the formation change and not picking men up. The simplest of corners into the edge of the six-yard box. Nobody, and I mean nobody, followed Joe Rebo into the edge of that six-yard box and he had a free header and planted it past Anik who could uh, nowhere near it. And as you say, Hamill made a vain attempt to keep it out. There was no way he was getting in that and uh, that could be a crucial second goal. Taylor, reverse ball, looking towards the way. Oh, Rebo wasn't expecting it, probably was there. Good challenge from Reeves, and now Rebo brings it forward. Rebo, ball to offend the cannon, it's offside. Oh, yeah. the finish. oh, that's quite. Oh, what a finish it was. Great football from Charlton. Rebo with a superb assist, and Igor Vettikele with a lovely, deft little touch past the goalkeeper, and Charlton make it free. Well, from start to finish, from the Nabisar ball into Lyle Taylor, from Lyle Taylor's control and crossfield ball into the middle, Reeves challenged to keep the ball alive, Joe Rebo picked it up, teased the Scunthorpe defence, Igor Vettikele on the run, timed it perfectly, and a lovely cushion ball from Joe Rebo to pick him out, and he just poked it past the advancing Anik. That is a quality goal from start to finish, and Charlton now, you'd feel, have the game in the bag. Lyle Taylor's the only one over this. Is he going for this? Taylor, three man wall. Taylor he goes for it. It's oh! That's a great goal! Oh! Lyle Taylor with the strike that the goalkeeper could do nothing about. Diving to his left, beating him for pace and power. What a strike from Lyle Taylor. Oh, and Joel had no fall. 
Well, you have to see that to believe it. You just—he was shaping up to have the go. You'd think Anik would be aware that this was coming, but even if he was, there was nothing he could do about it. A right foot free kick. That wasn't just chipped into the left-hand corner. That was smacked into the top left. What hand. a strike that is! Edge of the put of the uh, of the goal, and there was nothing the keeper could do about it. What a goal! This goal kick uh, is the end of the proceedings here at the Valley this afternoon. An absolute goal fest for the Addicts. So good evening and welcome to Charlton Live. This is the big match preview. My name is Louis Mendes and joining me in the studio here at the Valley as we get ready to look back at that win over Scunthorpe on Easter Monday and ahead, of course, to the Saturday's trip to Gillingham is uh, Mr. Tom Wallin. How are you doing, Tom? Yeah, very well. Have you had a, a, a nice few days? It's been all right. Yeah, yeah it's, still it's, thinking about that free kick. Oh, yeah, I am as well. Oh, get me juices flowing once more. <laughs> and joining the pair of us in the studio here at the Valley is Nathan Muller. Hey, dear Nath. I'm good, mate. Yeah. 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 As your, are you, how are your juices? My juices are amazing from that touch. From Lyle Taylor, from not from, not from yeah. Tom. Yeah. That's another touch. I was petrified. Uh, no, that touch in the box from um, from Lyle Taylor when he picked it out there was like Burbstoff style. So lovely but, um, stuff. Yeah, amazing. Lovely stuff. So on uh, tonight's show, we are of course going to talk about that win over Scunthorpe, and we're going to hear Lee Bayer's reaction to it. We've also got Richard Corley. Uh, who joined us on the phone earlier, the South London Press sports editor, to let us know about the Lee Bayer contract situation because it's getting a little bit. Interesting, isn't it? And uh, Rich has got some interesting quotes from Bayer in the paper on Friday, so worth uh, listening to that. We're going to hear from Anthony Dixdeal. We got his first Charlton goal uh, against Scunny on Monday, and then of course we'll turn our attention to Saturday's trip to Gillingham uh, in the the red hot Kent derby, the game that undoubtedly uh, Charlton fans all over the world look look for because we're playing a team that you forget exists until we actually have to play them, or you're going down the A2 or something, Gillingham. Uh, right, Tom. Easter Monday, the heartbreak. I mean, we, we didn't do a show over the Easter weekend because mm. we never do, but so we haven't really reacted to that that defeat at Oxford, which was heartbreaking. It was not our worst performance, I think, by any stretch of the imagination. We had chances, but it was a kick in the stomach because we lost, and that was our top two hopes over. So to return with that four-goal haul on Monday was a real the Philip that we all needed. Yeah, and a massive credit to the team for bouncing back in that way because you're right, it was... Obviously, Belix had his fair share of literal smashes in the in the nuts over the last few weeks, um, and that's how it felt on on Friday. We all went there, and I think me and Nafe said on last week's show we had a feeling that was going to be our toughest game of the run in, and that's how it proved. So, you know, you come off that top two looks pretty much impossible. Even Boya, who's the most positive person around, is saying we're not going to make that top two. Um, so you go, right, well, how are they going to react? How are they going to approach these final three games? And the start of that game, I-, I said it on Twitter at the game, it was weird because no one seemed to be paying that much attention to the game. The sun was out, everyone was having a lovely time, but no one was really concentrating on the football and there wasn't much really to get us that excited. And it, the goal in the first half, I thought, might wake people up and that didn't really, but then the second half, we really kicked into gear. Uh, Scunthorpe weren't much opposition, but we just still deserve credit for putting that second half performance on blew him out the water and 
as you say, just really good way to bounce back from a disappointing Friday. Yeah, yeah it did have a weird feel of like a pre-season friendly mm. uh, throughout, throughout the game, really, until perhaps we got those three goals in nine minutes in the second half. But, I mean, a, a great way for Anthony Dick still to open his account for the, for the club, Nathan, and a brilliant vision from... Uh, from, from Lyle Taylor but a lot of people have said like you see Dick's still there you don't really know what to expect well it turns out what you can expect is a lovely little finish into the back of the net yeah no it was a good um, good little finish for uh, Anthony and I think Bowie's been sort of drilling into him in, on, on these final ball he's end product in the box and his crossing has become better because it, that has been his downfall but when the ball did fall to him I thought he was going to square it um, and he's obviously gone across the gaper and it was a decent little finish but obviously delighted for him because I think he he played um, really well on Monday sometimes he makes me nervous in terms of his positional play at right back but I think he was he was probably up there for obviously apart from Lyle was one of the better, our better players on the pitch so yeah delighted for him and he's going to have a little bit of a stint now with Solly being banned so can only stand him good stead well yeah it's a chance for him to really stake his claim for that position in the playoffs, I mean, Solly is not going to be back until the second leg of the playoffs. But if Dick still can play well, you know, scoring a goal helps. But get forward well as well as defending. I mean, he's going to have a real chance now. I mean, Scully did have a couple of openings. It's mm. easy to forget that one that Funzo Ojo missed right on the stroke of half time that he really should have done better with. But uh, as soon as as soon as we got that second, uh, the floodgates were wide open. It's like the Thames barrier. Yeah, I think. Um not just through that first half and obviously the second half once the game was gone even they had some some guilt-edged chances and yeah on another day um, if they were a team who were a little bit higher up or a little bit in more confidence they could have easily scored three or four themselves and part of that is down to our defending part of that is down to a bit of luck as well Um, and, and the chances towards the end obviously we were we were comfortably in front anyway but as I say going into half time it was just it didn't really feel like a game that actually meant anything um but then we came out second half, we looked more lively, as you say, got that second goal and then very quickly killed the game off with, with two more, which, um, yeah, those last two were just of very, very high quality. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we, we, we know that Uribe got the header, a free header, not the best defending, but you, no. you have to be there to score it. But his part in Eagles' goal, the third goal, really was, it was one of those moments. Like, wow, that, that is a, a genuine moment of quality, the run, the ball through, and then the finish as well, Dave. Yeah, no, um, it was obviously, uh, I think they lost the ball quite high up, didn't they? And then Uribe's run, and the key for it is obviously when he's rolled the ball with his left, it shifted the defender to move his movement and he's obviously slid it in straight away and the defender's out of the game, as you can obviously see by the ball. But it reminded me a lot like the um, like the Eagles goal against Luton. Same, similar, you know, sort of one-on-one left foot. But um, yeah, I, I was saying off air just now, I went absolutely ballistic when um, Igor scored. Because I think he's he's done so well to come back and you can see gradually and gradually he's, he's getting back to his best now and you can see him getting sharper and sharper but great little finish but we knew that's what Eagle could do we've always said on the show you know he needed games um, and he's given he's getting that now um, and it was a straight shootout between him and Josh Parker which isn't that obvious who's winning it at the moment but um, no he's done it when he's been called upon he's done well and it wasn't it's not only he's finishing with Eagle it's his, his work rate and he's hustling and he's hurrying so it's all good. Straight shootout, but it seems to be a shotgun versus a water pistol at the moment. <laughs> Josh Parker, I mean, he's not had a run of games is the only thing you can say, but I guess, yeah, Eagle's really taken his chance. Um, I, I did wonder whether we were ever going to see that Eagle of Etikali again, Tom. But I mean, Nathan said we've always said it. I'm not sure I was always sure he was going to come back and I'm pleasantly surprised. Yeah, and again, I referenced that on... I referenced that on, um, on last week's show and said, you know, I think there was a, a week maybe a month or six weeks ago where I said I thought I was seeing it and you and you weren't sure and I'm sure you weren't alone. Um, 
but every week that's gone on over those six weeks, he's definitely improved. His confidence is coming back. And like you've both said there, his his run of games has helped. And we're never really going to be able to compare him and Josh Parker purely because it's not fair because Josh Parker hasn't had the games. But when Igor has come in, what he has done is show that he deserves another chance. Even if he didn't score straight away, he was showing the effort and the commitment. And when Parker's come in for those little cameos, we just haven't quite seen that. Um, I still don't think Igor is, is definitely back to where he was, but you can see signs that that player still exists and coming off such a tough injury to recover from, I think that's that's very positive and I just hope he can continue that for the next hopefully five games and then I, I'd like to think he was rewarded with another opportunity with a contract next year. Now, um, Lyle Taylor's 23rd goal of the season, arguably his best knife, that free kick. I mean, it was from a difficult angle, but it gave the goalkeeper absolutely no chance. No, I think you should ask the PFL or the other players, wouldn't you? But uh, <laughs> I had to get that in there. No, I think that was... To be fair, when he stepped up, I was saying to the lads, well, I said, I'd probably chip it back stick. <laughs> just dink it. Just dink it a paddy or something. But like when it went in, it was just unreal. Like You could have had... It was just right in a postage stamp, wasn't it? And like great finish. And I th- again, I think Lyle's all-round play was... Um, was really good on Saturday. I mean, he's built up play. I mean, I saw on the forum people were getting a bit not fed up, but questioning. You know, he's sort of turning up in different positions. But Bo has always said the, to his strikers, "Don't get marked," and that's what he's not just going to stay centre with a goal because that's not Lyle Taylor. And I think it's all of his all-round plays improving. Like, look at the assist for Anthony. Um, but yeah, I mean, that goal was. Um, I think it, yeah, I can't think of any many better than that that he's done for us. Yeah. So um, right. So. We know now top two is impossible, I think, but barring an interesting run of results, which would probably involve us turning over what, a seven or eight goal difference deficit with Barnsley, them losing both of their games, us winning both, Sunderland drawing against each other and, and Portsmouth drawing against each other before losing their other. So it's not going to happen. Okay, mm. I mean, the, the other teams being in such good form, in a way, has probably, for me, taken the edge off that Oxford defeat because even if we had won that, we'd still be behind and we'd still be asking a lot. But. Now, we, we know we're going into the playoffs now, currently on the back of a 16-game unbeaten run at home. Uh, only lost two games in 2019. We're not conceding too many goals at the moment. We're scoring. Well, now we've, you know, by your said all season, we're going to knock a few goals past the team. And we've finally done that with Scunthorpe. We we are hitting form at the right time. We've got an Igor Vettikele who's hitting form at the right mm. time. We said it last season. Of course, we, 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 we made a late dash for the playoffs, which included winning seven of a lot or six of the last ten. But going into these games in form, which is why the next two are so important, could be massive for us. Yeah, I think the the problem last year was Boya came in and gave everybody such a lift and drove everyone and said, look, this is where we are now. We're going to get to the playoffs. We can get to the playoffs. By the time we actually got there, that had been so much the aim. I think they were all just absolutely shattered, like emotionally and physically. I think this year, you're right, we're hitting form at the right time and... People are saying, you know, should we push for third? Should we be resting players? Whatever. Jick still said it after the game on Saturday. We win all our games. We aim to do that and we just see where the chips fall and we see where we end up. And and that's the most important thing. And if we get third and we get the home tie second, then brilliant. But let's not try and engineer anything. Let's just try and do what we can. Uh, personally, talking about some of the injuries, which we'll hear about later, I think rest players because we need players in in the right shape uh, going into those two definite playoff games that we're going to have, maybe three. So, yeah, I think we're hitting we're hitting form at the right time, and and the players don't look 
sapped of energy like they have done or they did, sorry, at the, the similar stage last season. And you look at the front line as well that we had going into that playoff game. Yeah. It, it, was, it was a Jose and McGuinness up top. Now, you know, no disrespect to those two, but you'd much rather Taylor and, and Vettakele scoring goals and that could be uh, important as well. I mean, Nath, you, you mentioned it there, the... Uh, the EFL team of the year came out a couple of weeks ago or last week and there was no Charlton players involved. Now, the PFA team of the year, which is different because this is actually chosen by the players who play in League One, it's come out today or yesterday with no Charlton players involved. Um, Richard Workman sent me a brilliant tweet yesterday saying that the fans, the, the players should really use this as a motivation because this is their fellow League One players saying that they don't think Charlton have quite got players as good as Barnsley, as Luton, as whoever, Sunderland, whoever had players in there. Mm. Now, I mean, we've proven that we're just as good as any of those sides. We're only only a couple of points behind them. It's just the stage of the season we're at means we're not going to catch them. I mean, that's got to be motivation. They don't think you're as good as them. Yeah, and I think I said something on Twitter when the EFL one came out, and I said I was quite—I wasn't really that bothered because I just think if we just quietly go about our business and we end up going up, I think it'd be quite funny, really, um, for none of our players to be that. And so, yeah, I think if I was some of the Charlton players, I'd probably be saying, you know what, we don't really care. But yeah, if if they don't think we're any of us are in in the eleven, then that's that's their opinion. That's fine, but we'll just show them. I mean. With you know Lyle Taylor not being in the PFA one, to me that probably more smacks of uh, of all the antics and that Lyle winding the centre halves up more than anything. I think that's probably more more of the case. But yeah, I'd definitely use it as an inspiration, especially some. I'm not saying we're not we're not all biased enough. Oh, it should be a Charlton eleven, but you could you could probably say two of our eleven should be in that. I'd say Taylor's obviously a must in there, and I'd probably say Josh Cullen or maybe even Christian. But <coughs> listen, it's it is what it is, and but I don't think they'll be bothered. But yeah, if they use it as a motivation, for sure, I think. I think Lyle Taylor was bothered. He was tweeting about the. He certainly <laughs> tweeted about the EFL one. I'm not sure if he tweeted about the PFA one, but he certainly he knows because he's probably wind them all yeah. up. <laughs> um, now we're looking at that that race for the the top two. So we're on 82. Sunderland and Portsmouth on 84 and 86, both with a game in hand. Barnsley on 88. So if we were to win both of our two games, we'd be on the same points as Barnsley if they lost both their two games. And we're currently, what, 14 behind them in a goal difference. So we need some ridiculous results. So it's not going to happen. But you're looking at those teams. Now, whoever out of Barnsley, Portsmouth and Sunderland end up finished third, or sorry, end up finished fourth, which is where we're like, likely to play in the semi-final because we're probably going to finish fifth unless Sunderland lose to Portsmouth and then lose again. Whoever that is, is going to be really disappointed that they didn't get into the top two. Now, we saw with Shrewsbury last year, they had that same disappointment having been up there for so long, but they still beat us. They were still able to recover from that. Can we use that in any way to our advantage if a team's missed out by a slender margin towards the end of the season? We definitely can, uh, and it's definitely going to help. But I think most importantly is we have to get our own mentality right. And... Like I say, I think at the end of last season we were just we were knackered. You, the last game of the season against Rochdale, obviously we didn't didn't really show up there either, and and that sort of performance carried through through into the Shrewsbury games as well. Although, arguably at their place we were the better side um, for the first half at least. But yes, I think out of the four mentalities of the teams that are in the playoffs, I mean, unless Coventry or or Peterborough sneak in their last day, you'd think we're going in there with the most positive mindset out of all four of them. So, uh, and like. Uh, the guy said who tweeted in, they're gonna they're gonna fear us. Other teams are gonna fear us because we're starting to smash teams apart now. We're scoring a lot of goals. We've got players who are in certainly in the case of Lyle Taylor, he's gonna know about those two teams. He is gonna take that personally and he's gonna use that. And 
a lot of the time we've seen him in particular channel his frustration or his anger in the right way, occasionally the wrong way, but more often than not, he channels it into good performances. And we've got such a good squad there, such a good squad. And uh, yeah, I, I don't see why we should fear any of those teams. We arguably could have got more points out of Sunderland this season. Physically couldn't have got more points out of Portsmouth, I don't think. Um, Doncaster, obviously, yes, we got beaten in their place, but we did fine over here. Did you so. at their places, last minute equalised? Oh, of course, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, like I say, there's, there's no one really to fear as far as I'm concerned. So um, yeah, we're the team in form, we're the team to be feared. And we just got to, as I say, see where the, where the chips fall. Impossible to pick a opponent you'd like to see in the semi-finals, Nath, out of all out of those three that are above us, because we'll likely end up playing one out of Barnsley, Portsmouth, and Sunderland. Um, <clears throat> I'd like to avoid Sunderland just for the just for the travel, to be honest. Um, Pompey, I think we've done a double over them, but I think like the point you said earlier about it, one. It, <laughs> It's going to be key on their mental toughness because if you drop out of that top two, it's it's going to be hard for them to pick themselves up to know that they've got to go again. Um, but yeah, I'd rather I'd rather avoid Sunderland um, in the semis and probably take Pompey or Barnsley in the uh, in the semis. But again, I don't, I just don't, I just worry if we get them in the final, Sunderland. I can just see I don't want fate happening and then we lose seven six on the penalties <laughs> or something. But yeah, just a distance, I'd say Sunderland. I'd like to avoid. Right, Lee Bowyer came in to speak to Terry Smith after the win here on Easter Monday against Gunthorpe United and he said that the result was the best way to react after the defeat on Good Friday over at Oxford. Just shows the character because we was all low Friday um, and we was planned to come in on Saturday. I made a decision that, you know what, they need to just be around their families and, 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 and that's the first time when we've gone like a Saturday, Tuesday like we have now, that I've given them the next day off, first time all season. But I thought they just need to be around their families now, they're going to feel down. I don't want them coming in Saturday and they're still thinking about Friday's result and that's done. Second place is not possible now, so now we have to step on and now we've got three games left and, and, and now we approach this, win them three games. Um, so yeah, we changed things around a little bit this last couple of days, but... Yeah, but it, the performance, the character, uh, it just shows the, the commitment that they're giving everything, you know. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm over the moon with with the outcome of today. First twenty minutes, um, we were clearly the better side, uh, having trouble breaking down a, a Scunthorpe side that are battling for for their lives at the, at the bottom. Uh, when that ball was chipped across from Lyle Taylor and it was landing <laughs> landing on Anthony's right foot, did you uh, did you think oh, could it be somebody else before he dispatched it? Yeah, his first touch wasn't bad, um, but I think what helps is that he's midfielder as well. So technically, he's he's good. He's so he knows it across the goal, you know. Like, but yeah, I thought he took it very well to make the run as well. Like he came to feet, then he got in behind. Low, great vision, great pass, great weight of pass. So yeah, but I'm happy for Anthony because he works hard. You know, he's a great lad. So nice. So um, yeah, he deserved that today. Yeah, standing first half, and uh, be difficult to see anybody else getting man of the match uh, today. Although um, three other people stepped up and to, to cause some headaches for that, and we needed that second goal because uh, Scunthorpe, as I said, battling for their lives, few chances, uh, few near misses. So we needed uh, the second goal comfort. And Joe Rebo popping up, um, as I know that you've been asking him to do regular enough, bagging a, a decent header. Albeit yeah. a free one, but still had to dispatch it. Yeah, it's funny. We was only talking about it the other day and saying we 
like against Oxford, I think we had like 14 corners or something. Like, and they have one and score. Um, so we were only talking about it the other day. So it was about time we scored another one from set play because Jacko and Marsh, like they, they work hard on them. And uh, so, yeah, they, I'm pleased. Joe's got another one. So that, that, that's good for him. And, and that's all we want is people having confidence going into these last few games. The uh, the third goal when it came, uh, superb footballing move, France from start to finish, and there we saw uh, sliding in, Lyle Taylor held it up well, ball inside needed to be kept alive, and Johnny Williams, uh, sorry, um, Ben Rees did that, and Joe Rebo sliding in, Igor for a classic finish, I mean typical Igor finish. Yeah. Uh, was it uh, a payoff that, uh, because there must have been, the, the, you must have felt like, should I risk him, shouldn't I, after uh, not appearing against Oxford? There was, I don't think it was really a risk. The physio said he was fit. He trained yesterday fully. He's been training since like Oxford and, and doing stuff outside and ticking all the boxes what he needs to do, sprints, and so he was fine. So for me, it's not really a risk. Um, the most important thing for me was to, to get him to get 60, 70 minutes into him because if not, then it would have been like two weeks before he plays again and then worked so hard everybody at the club has worked so hard to get his fitness to where he is he has he's worked so hard and uh, it'd be a shame to then leave it two weeks before he plays and then he might take that game and then maybe another game and then too many games have gone by without him getting his fitness back so yeah for me it was the right decision to play him and, and, and he got rewarded for it you know he, he worked hard and then he got his goal you got the comfort of taking him off uh, and uh, uh, seeing a, a, a fatic finish to a, an emphatic uh, victory with Lyle Taylor smashing that one into the top corner. There's, uh, there's probably only Lyle Taylor's going to do that, isn't he? Yeah. And funny enough as well, once it was free and then we was walking, they was walking back and I said to Lyle, look, there's, there's one here for you. And then he gets a free kick and puts in the top corner like that. It's unreal. Like, there's not many players in this division that can do that. And, and we're very fortunate to have him because not just his, his finishing his work rate is, is unreal I'll give you an example the most pleasing thing for me everyone looks at what he does up the top of the pitch but for me I see Ben Puritan overlapping Johnny Williams and then I see Lowell sprinting back to get in the left back position because them two are out of position I think that side of the game and um, I think he was outstanding he has been outstanding all season and um yeah, I think he's got to be one of the purchases of the season in, in my eyes. But possibly the uh, the moment of the game, uh, not just the 4-0 victory, but Jake Foster-Kesty coming on. Uh, I know he's had his under-23 minutes, but uh, just coming off of those last 10 minutes, quarter now must have been a great fillip for everybody at the club, not just Jake. Yeah, because it's funny how football works sometimes. Um, Jake was having some food with Chris Solly after training today. They went in training this morning. Um, then Christian... Turned up today and twenty past one, he says he, his shoulder's really hurting and he can't play. Um, the doctor was doing some work on it because he fell funny yesterday, and then all of a sudden he's like, "Okay, so Christian's out. Should we put someone on the bench now? They've all trained. I'm happy with the bench I've got without bringing someone else in. But then I thought, you know, like Jake's worked so hard to get to this stage now. Um, is he ready? No, he's not. But to just bring him into that environment again and, and be around the lads in a match day and and the crowd, you know, like cheering him when he's going back. It's a reward for, for the hard work that he's done since pre-season. So, and he deserves it. And um, 
we can just get him a few more games under his belt and, and get his sharpness up, then um, and he'll be training hard every day like he does with us. So, and we might need him later on. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Switch across the left-hand side and Perrington's a good one. Bielik looks okay for the time being. Perrington looking to try and oh, look to take on Thompson. Instead goes back inside to Cullen. Needs a little bit of support. He turns, works a bit of space for across. Cullen, ball into the box, finds Arebo. Arebo, Arebo! Yeah! Yeah! Arebo! with a goal! Turn inside the penalty area. His shot went across the face of goal. And the Gilvery didn't even go for any and it's past him. And into the back of the net. And Charlton, just before half-time, had the lead. Welcome back, it's Charlton Live here on your Thursday evening. The big match preview we just heard there from Lee Boyer after Easter Monday's win over Scunthorpe. Uh, now his contract situation. Interesting, isn't it? Because it's still dragging on. Now, most of you will be listening to this on Friday morning, this podcast. So hopefully Richard will have already published uh, his quotes from Lee Boyer. But he spoke to Boyer on Thursday morning over the phone to find out what's going on with his contract situation. Then he joined me on the phone earlier uh, to explain what uh, Boyer had to say. So Richard Corley from the South London Press joins us now on Cholton Live. Richard, um, you were able to sit down and speak to Lee Boyer over the phone earlier today that's going to be out on Friday morning in the paper talking about his contract situation. Um, what sort of vibe are you getting from the Charlton manager at the moment? I think it's fair to say that it's not too impressive that Charlton haven't managed to get this situation resolved. Um, I mean, I, uh, Lee Boyer didn't bring it up. I just asked him if he was getting frustrated at the situation that, you know, the coaching team and, and Lee himself obviously are coming towards the closing stages of their contract and nothing has been resolved. And, you know, the message back was that he, he hadn't heard anything um, since, I think, he sat down with Lever the Turk. Um, obviously, we had this incentivised contract offer, which I think um, was a little bit out of the ordinary. And I think Lee Bowyer wanted a, a fairly straight, sort of normal managerial contract. It doesn't sound as if that has come back yet. Um, and I mean, I asked Lee whether he was frustrated. He said the word he would use was that he was a bit disappointed that things hadn't been sorted out sooner. Um, and you know, I can only talk externally. I mean, uh, 
from the club. I mean, I, I, I think it's, it's crazy. I mean, Lee Bowyer has been, uh, of the many things that Raymond de Chatelet has done, a lot of them have been not particularly well thought through or they haven't been successful, you know, one of the two. Lee Bowyer's kind of one of the exceptions to that. He's done so well that, you know, the, the fans, you can tell every game I go to, they absolutely love him. And, uh, you know, the players are playing for him and they're playing really good football. So, to me, it seems something that should have been sorted out a long time ago. I can't believe it's that Lee Bowyer's making outrageous demands. So, it just seems this kind of lack of, of energy behind anything at Charlton that it all kind of gets left a little bit last minute. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know where it quite leaves it because if you leave Bowyer, do you wait? And if you get to a playoff final and you, you take Charlton up, do you, could, could you potentially walk away from that? I don't, I don't know. But I just think the club, personally, I think they should have sorted this out, you know, a few weeks back because they know what Lee Bowyer, Lee Bowyer brings to the table. And, um, yeah, he's done a really, really good job, hasn't he? Mm. I mean, obviously, you've been involved in the game for many, many, many years now. So, I mean, have you ever seen a manager who has been doing well having to wait this long for their future to be secured? Surely, in a normal situation, a manager whose uh, pedigree is, is clearly as, as good as Bowyer's has been so far would be tied down by now. Yeah, I mean, I can't think of it. I mean, maybe there is something, but I can't. I cannot think of a situation where that's happened. Of course... Sometimes managers that aren't doing so well, a, a club might leave it a little bit longer because they're not too sure. You know, you might have like a transfer window where you're thinking, well, we don't want to give them a deal and then we might get rid of them early the next season. I think that can happen a bit more, but not, not in this scenario. I mean, there was a, a statistic that went around over the weekend that since he's gone to three points per game, Lee Bowyer's got to 100 points quicker than any other Charlton manager since that, since that change of the, the, you know, the amount of points you got for a win. Yeah, that's that's more than Alan Kirbishley, more than Chris Powell, quicker than Alan Kirbishley, quicker than Chris Powell. I just I just don't quite get it why when you've got someone that's been successful, why would you leave them in this situation? I don't necessarily think it helps with negotiating with players. Um, I, I, it, it won't hugely matter maybe with someone like Joe Aribo, who I think will be driven a, a lot in terms of his sort of decision making by what division Charlton are in next year. Um, but, and obviously Patrick Bowers in probably a similar boat that Charlton would need to be in the championship to stand any chance of keeping him. But I just, um, I just, I just find it very puzzling that they haven't thought that this is something that's quite important to do. And I think although Lee Bowie is totally focused on the team, I think as a manager, you, you kind of probably want to get it nailed down. I mean, obviously there's, there's things that need to be sorted. You know what the budget would be if they, if you, you know, unfortunately worse than League One, what the budget would be if you were in the championship. But I mean, those conversations can be had. It can't be that difficult. But yet there doesn't seem to be any kind of clarity or answers coming back from, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's running the Chatelet, isn't it? Because, I mean, although leaving the Turk is over here, I don't think anyone's under any illusion that it's, it's Roland that's going to make the decision and, and make the decision on what, what happens. Do you think there's a danger that Lee Bowie will make the decision for Roland at the end of the season if it's still not sorted and he might have suitors elsewhere? Yeah, I mean, I think, there's, I think there's definitely a chance of that. I think with any manager, uh, you become uh, a lot more attractive to, to other clubs once you have actually got a promotion on board. The flip side of that, of course, is that Lee's done it this season with a smaller budget than other shelter managers have had um, since Roland de Chatelet's owned the club. And people would look at the style of football and everything else. And I think they would... I, I definitely think he would be an attraction. I think if he got the team up, it would be 
that would be a very interesting scenario because I think instantly you've got a promotion on your on your CV. That really does tick a box for a lot of football clubs. Of course, for Lee as well, though, I think he would be torn because, you know, he's built something here. He knows the players. He's got the support of the fans. I don't think he'd want to walk away from it particularly easily. But at the same time, as you say, he could get so disillusioned with the way that it is under the Chatelet. And we've had plenty of other managers that have kind of come in and they've, they've moaned about the way it's all done uh, under him. I, I think I think there's got to be a chance. Um, I still think I still think probably this will get resolved and that Lee will be charter manager next year. Uh, but I just don't see why they've made in such heavy heavy made such heavy work of it. Mm. Something else that Charlton fans, of course, will be hoping will be resolved by next year is the the ongoing takeover saga in the fans forum minutes that were released today. Uh, Liv and Deterk did say that he believed that Roland wouldn't own the club at the start of next season, but I mean, we've heard that before, haven't we? Are you, are you hearing anything on the grapevine that suggests we may no, be near a resolution? No, no, I haven't. And I mean, the, the thing is, you know, these updates, they seem to just go around in circles. I mean, we keep hearing the same thing, that there's people waiting to do this, that and whatever. I just, I just... I just don't really buy it. I, I just, I just think it's a bit laughable, really, that these updates are done. It's supposed to show a communication to the fans. I understand some of this stuff is supposed to be kept confidential, but I mean, I, I just don't see anything that's really changed with that. You know, the the bottom line is that Roland de Chatelet wants a, a very big sum of money, um, pretty much what he's ploughed into the club, so that he walks away with no kind of financial hit, and. I just don't see that being realistic. I mean, you could make the point that if Charlton go up, that um, it would make them more attractive, again, on top of already what they are, to potential investors and people that want to own the club. And of course, the danger with that is that you're then only one division away, you know, one promotion away from the Premier League. And who's to say that, that, that the owner now doesn't decide that he actually wants an extra X on top of that? So I just... Uh, I just don't really think there's anything there, and I think in terms of in terms of what's happening, um, I think we've probably got the same protagonists that have been around for ages. But if they haven't been able to get it over the line in all this time, when you look at the Australians, they've been on the scene for an eternity, or what seems like an eternity, um, but they've they've not managed to get the deal done. So I think we are where we're at. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe the promotion would maybe promotion would potentially shake it up. Maybe if the team doesn't go up, it would shake it up because. You know, then Roland de Châtelet has got another season of um, Charlton in League One, and maybe that won't be uh, particularly, you know, appetising to him. So that that could potentially change it. But no, I've not I've not heard anything is particularly close. But that's not to say necessarily that I would do. Yeah. Now, of course, whether there is a promotion or not at the end of the season, if Roland is still here, a lot of Charlton fans are worried about a bit of a cliff edge coming up. Players out of contract, the manager out of contract. I mean, are we? Are we worrying too much about that? Because if you, when you look at the number of people currently who would be here next year and you think about the comments from Steve Gallen in the last fans forum about how they'd have to start looking into League 2 for players, I mean, we could be really looking at a team that's going to get decimated and replaced possibly with players who may not quite fit the bill. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I think there's a there's some huge problems there if the team don't go up and and if the funding isn't there. There's two factors there because obviously players can go, but if you keep a budget there, I think with the recruitment, if the if if the if that is kept up in terms of the budget to a reasonable level, I think you back Lee Bowyer and Steve Gallen to to actually bring in the the people that they. I mean, their, their record's been very good so far, but I mean. 
you look at it, Pat Bauer for me has been what has been excellent uh, in the second half of this season, particularly. I think he's he's really grown as a centre back again, and I think he'll be a huge loss. We all know that Joe Rebo will be a will be a huge loss if he goes on, and that's before you look at other players that are coming out of contract as well. Um, I, I think there would also be the question mark about what would happen with someone like Lyle Taylor. Would he want another year in? In League One, um, you know, he's beginning to get... He's kind of in his prime now, Lyle, and I would think that he would want to have a go at the Championship. And the other one, funnily enough, that I was thinking about that could potentially get um, offers from certain places, and maybe not from this country, is someone like Naby Sarr. You know, he's not been in the shop window, really, um, the last few seasons because he's been overlooked. But now he's come through, played a run of games. You know, he's a, a, a ball-playing centre-half, and... A, at times he does obviously get caught in possession, but I think I was watching him the other day and thinking, you just don't know. You know, stranger things have happened with people like Igor coming back and playing well. You just wonder if someone like Naby, who was kind of held up as this, uh, you know, expensive flop, whether even he could be someone that would attract interest in the summer if they don't go up, because there's no guarantee that Roland de Chatelet doesn't sell. If he's looking to raise money, you know, the players he's got contracted are the likes, the kind of marquee players that he's got are people probably like Naby, probably like uh, Dylan Phillips or, or someone like Lyle Taylor. So I do think it's, um, I do think there's a quite a lot of question marks there and I think there are some notable players coming out of contract. I mean, P- Patrick Bauer and Joe Rebo will not be particularly easy to replace, will they? There we go, Richard Corley there with the good news. Uh, as always, um, yeah, I mean, first of all, he's, he's talking about Bayer's contract situation. That's the main reason he came on. It sounds like Bayer disappointed. I mean, and he has every right to be. It's a, it's a ridiculous situation that he finds himself in. Yeah, poor old Rich. We only ever get him on to, to give us good news. And uh, it's always bad news, isn't it? But, um, yeah, it, and it is frustrating. And it's we've said it plenty of times. It's ridiculous that he's the one who's having to try and negotiate a new contract when they should have been handing him one on a, on a gold plate. Like halfway through this season, it was clear the job he was doing. He deserves a new contract. He deserves a an improved deal um, because of the work he's done. And every week, it seems at the moment, some stat comes out about how well he's doing. And and this week, it was the the hundred point mark in the quickest time. So yeah, it it is frustrating. The it sounds like it's moving along, but like I say, it's just it's mad that he's the one who's having to drive that. It's mad that they tried to take the risk with that initial contract in the first place, but. Now he's told them to kind of bring themselves back to earth and deal with him like with a bit of respect. It sounds like something will happen, and it's clear that Boyer and the rest of his staff want to be here, and that's the important thing. But the fact it's taking so long, I mean, we shouldn't really be surprised to be honest. Yeah. But it's still so frustrating. I mean, there were a couple of quotes from Boyer in today's press day, which really weren't that enlightening at all. And I think Richard's quotes in the paper tomorrow, mm. so on Friday, if you're listening, worth worth digging those out. Are more interesting from what I've heard. Um, but I mean, he has effectively said that nothing's come back since he went back to them to ask for something else. So, I mean, this this is disrespectful now. I mean, Roland Duchatelet has been accused, probably quite rightly, of disrespecting the football club for a number for a, a number of time now. But you know, no matter how much Bayou loves the club, no matter how much he knows he's done a good job here, how much he's enjoying building something here, if you disrespect him and someone comes in and offers him a better contract or a contract in in the first place, he's going to go. Yeah, and um, he only Charlton only two percent of his time or whatever he said, wasn't he? So um, once he gets to that two percent, it'll be good. But yeah, it is. It, but again, it is disrespectful to to a job that Bose and the team have done. 
Um, but I don't think any of us expect anything else. He's not a football man. He doesn't know anything about football. Um, he's obviously not. He's obviously not at the forefront of his mind. It's like you know, as as Rich said, that it just it's puzzling to see why you wouldn't tie some you know someone down. I know managers aren't the same commodities as players, but if you're any sort of football club, if you have a, an outstanding young prospect, you tie them down, wouldn't you? Because they'll be an asset to your club. But um, Obviously, it's not seen that way, or it, they've obviously offered him something that's unfamiliar, or whatever the the quote was. Um, or well, I can't remember where it was, but yeah, it's it's madness. But I'm just hoping that you know, Bose has said in his presser, didn't he, that you know, um, he's just going to wait until the end of the season and he'll sort himself out. And I hopefully he has the patience because I don't think he'll be shy of any suitors for to be, even to an extent of the championship, especially people who want to build a project there because I think Bo's more than capable now of course Richard also talks about the takeover uh, we had the fans forum update that came out on Thursday again really nothing that different in there they almost they suggested the fifth group the international group had made some form of progress which was enough for Sky Sports to run yeah. a story saying Charlton imminent sold blah 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 I mean we've all seen this before Sky Sports obviously haven't been paying quite enough attention Richard doesn't sound uh, like he thinks there's anything happening soon nor do I and no. nor do you by this bit, Tom. No, and uh, I saw the read the minutes um, during the day today. Had a few messages from people, who mates who don't support Charlton, saying, oh, "I hear the takeover might be close." I was like, "What? Uh, have you read the minutes or what?" And then saw the Sky story after that, and how oh, they've come up with that conclusion, I'm not sure because if you look at who's saying it and what they're saying, really, it's it's nowhere closer. I mean, he says. Uh, he doesn't expect Roland to be in charge at the start of next season. I don't think we expected him to be at the charge at the start of this season, and he's done a, another whole year. So, uh, to me, it's complete nonsense. I think there were a couple of people who called uh, Louvren out as, as being completely incompetent. Um, obviously, I don't know the guy, and, and I just have to go off what we read in the minutes. But the fact he's been brought in specifically to handle the takeover, it's been about 45 years, and the takeover hasn't happened, suggests to me that there's a level of competence he's not really meeting. Um so yeah, I don't think we can read too much into the minutes from the forum. It's good that they keep happening. It's good that we get updates, but it's getting to the point now where those updates are so meaningless. You think, well, we might as well just knock this on the head because things on the field are good. Let's focus on that. It, it may be happening in the background. It may not. Uh, and we've said it a million times until it's on the official site that Roland's left. I'm just not getting my hopes up anymore because we've been bitten too many times. Right, something that was on the official site on Easter Monday was goal by Anthony Dixdale, the Addicts uh, fullback, or defensive midfielder turned fullback, got his first Addicts goal, and he said he was absolutely delighted to bag. Feels amazing. It's like the best feeling ever. And what was going through your mind when you saw Taylor sort of uh, measuring that chip over the top? Were you just thinking, just go get on this one? Yeah, he said it to me. He clipped it. He said it before he passed the ball. He uh, he said it like go go go, but. I didn't get in the first time, but the second time, I just went onto it and took a touch and shot. Yeah. You score many goals in training? I've seen you have too many chances, really. But. Even in training, I don't really score a lot of goals. Sometimes I've got a good day and just score, but it's the first first real goal, actually. And the, the game itself, obviously a 4-0 comfortable win. Lee Bay was um, delighted when I just spoke to him. Uh, pretty pleasing result and performance. Yeah, especially the second half was better. You got more chances, uh, move the ball quick, and just yeah, we're better than the opposition. Yeah, and are you pleased with your own performance, of course, because you, you and Chris Solly have sort of been taken over from each other quite a lot recently. So we, we've Solly now banned for, for four games, I and mean, you've got a real chance to 
make that position your own as we as we head towards uh, the, the playoffs as well. I just have to work hard, play, keep play hard, just give everything and just see what happens. And David, do you enjoy the, the competition with Chris Solly? Because obviously he's a big club stalwart here. He's been here for, for years and years. And does it help you improve yourself as a player? And then you've got to try and keep him out the side. Yeah, it really helps me. Like Solly's, we're good. We're good with each other. We just keep each other keep each other sharp. And I think it's good for the both of us. And obviously going into the playoffs now, I mean, Charlton's record uh, since the, the turn of the year really has been spectacular. Only, only two defeats. Record here is amazing as well. Only. Or no losses in 16 games, I think. So, I mean, anyone coming here, I, I guess they're going to be fearing playing Charlton this season. Yeah, I think they should be fearing us. Um, every time when we play at home, we should just keep our heads and play like we should play every single game, work hard. In terms of the the sort of playoffs at the moment, how do you kind of look at that? It, was it when the top two hopes kind of finished? Was that a setback, or because obviously you've kind of bounce straight back from that Oxford loss today emphatically. Obviously we're trying to get to the top two and we just focus on ourselves now, trying to win every game and see where see where we finish. Yeah. Are you pleased with your own progression? Because you've kind of gradually kind of worked your way into the team. It's not necessarily your natural position right back, is it? Mm, not really, but now I should say Yeah, I feel yeah. comfortable now. I'm happy with my profession. Um just try to do the right things in training and just keep doing extra so yeah. Who, um, who's been a big sort of help to you in terms of advice and stuff like that? Is there anybody particularly you turn to in the chance? Um, chance probably Lee Boy then. Yeah, Lee Boy. Okay. Helping me a lot, especially with my end product. Yeah. Because that's not always the best how it should be. You finished it nicely today. Was there anyone special in the crowd to, to watch today or anything like that? No, not really. There wasn't really, no? <laughs> oh, right, okay. <laughs> but in terms of the goal, how pleasing is it to kind of get? It's it's a milestone, isn't it? Yeah. First one as a as a professional player. Yeah, it is. Uh, even I was surprised when it when it went in. So <laughs> I was happy I scored. Just didn't know what to do with the celebration. Yeah. <laughs> well, do you reckon you'll have a, a celebration next time? Now you've got one. <laughs> there might might be a few more following. <laughs> Maybe you know. Yeah. yeah. Do you, in terms of who you fancy in the playoffs, is there anybody particularly you'd like to face of the the sort of sides that are up there or, or not? No, not really. I think if you just do all thing. I think we should get promoted. It's just about us, not about them. Mm. The, the disappointment last season in the playoffs can that work as a positive that you kind of know the heartache as a group of, of what, what it feels like? You know, when you were up at Shrewsbury. Yeah, yeah, it could help. It should help, I think, because last season you don't want that again. You want to go to Wembley and go up. So. That's it, more. Yeah. Have you been to Wembley yourself? As a pl have you played any sort of younger levels where you've had a chance to play at Wembley or not? Um, with the Nike Academy, I played at Wembley against Barcelona, so that was oh, nice. Oh wow! Yeah. So what age was that? So what age Barcelona uh, team was that? On the nineteenth. Okay. Yeah, on the nineteenth. Anybody famous from that Barcelona team that's now playing anywhere else? Um, none that I know of. No. What was the score? We won two one. Okay. You didn't score. Nah. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> So that must be a hell of a highlight when you walk out there. It'd be special to do it again, yeah, wouldn't it, in a yeah, big yeah. one-player final. Yeah. So there we go, Anthony Dick still there. Uh, pleased as punch with the fact he got his first goal for the Addicts. And of course, he's got that experience of playing at Wembley with the Nike Academy against the under-19 Barcelona side. They won 2-1, so I just wonder, just wonder now he's got that experience, he'd be desperate to get back then, wouldn't he? I mean, surely if he hadn't played, he'd still want to go anyway. Yeah, exactly. I think everyone would want to play at... Um... A place like Wembley, and I think we're only one of um, 
Only a few teams, haven't we? About 14 or so yeah, of the 92 played at the haven't Rambly. played there, yeah. So, um, yeah, it'll be nice. I mean, well, I think I, I think we've all been there, haven't we? I mean, I've been there a few times yeah. with other teams and stuff. Um, but it'd be nice to see us there. But, yeah, I mean, it'll be a great day I if we the do. Spice Girls there. You what? Yeah. Carry on. I don't think I can. <laughs> Tom, crack on. I saw Eminem there. <laughs> Is that better? Similar, similar. Yeah. Bromley, um, last year? We were there oh, yeah, for that. Bromley. We went yeah. for Bromley, didn't we? Yeah. yeah. Left that early. <laughs> Watch the radio won't go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right, so Anthony Dixon. I mean, do, do we think... I mean, some people have questioned Solly a bit more than I would, to be fair. I think people have been a bit harsh on Solly this year. Um, but some people have questioned him, and, and Dick still, at times when he's coming, has looked very good. So I mean, he has got a real chance, hasn't he, over this next three games while Solly's still out? Yeah, and I think he's earned it. Um, I, I'm starting to see... Solly getting towards the latter part of his career and managing that injury and I can't remember which game it was over this week but somebody on Five Live was saying fullbacks when your career starts to deteriorate a fullback it stands out a lot more because of the amount of work you've got to do it's like even some of the, the best players like Gary Neville in that position when he suddenly went overnight you could just see it and, and Solly's been a great servant to us but he he's had a very difficult injury that he's had to manage um, and I do think you know the physicality of the league is starting to get to him a little bit, and he can't he can't play week in week out. Having said that, he's still a very good player on his day. But Jake Steele's come in and performed very well, and and deserves his chance. And I'd love to see him take it over the next four or five games because he's another of those young players that, provided we can tie him down to a contract, he'd be someone I'd like to have around for a little bit longer to see what he can do. Uh, hopefully, uh, a level above. Chris Solly has played the second most amount of minutes. In our, our side, the only one who's had more than him uh, is, is Lyle Taylor. So I think you know he's he's doing well in terms of is standing up to it. But there we go. Anthony Dixon has got his chance now. Uh, uh, Solly, of course, got his second red card of the season away at Oxford on Good Friday. Right, Lee Bayer has got the chance to look ahead now to the Gillingham game. He was first asked about how he hopes the uh, the side can attack the end of the season uh, with the form that they have. Yeah, we've got to win five games. We've got we'll have five games, hopefully, um, and we have to win them all. If we win them all, then we go up. That's as simple as that. That's, that's how simple football is. Um, but whoever we play is going to be tough. Saturday is going to be tough, you know. Um, Gillingham is a tough place to go. Um, they've got players that can hurt you. I see that. Uh, Cookie and, and Brandon scored against Plymouth. Two of our old players, so they'll be wanting to prove a point. Um, so yeah, it's it's going to be a tough game. Every game from now on in is is it's going to be tough. Have you seen much of them? Yeah, yeah. I watched them against Plymouth. Watched them against us. Obviously, when we played them, because obviously we won and, and see how we hurt them. So um, we've got a big fella up front. He's, he's a threat. He scored a lot of goals. So, um, but again, like, it's not being disrespectful to anybody. But it's, if we do the right things and, and we compete, then we have players that can also hurt them. So uh, that's whoever we play. I, I believe that we, we can win every game. I think that the, the games are worth one. We just played Re- Luton recently; hadn't been beaten. I don't know how long, uh, and we were by far better than them. So when we turn up and, and we do things properly, then then. We're a tough side to play. And dare I say, they've developed a knack of producing their best performances against the top sides. Yes, but um, 
it just shows you how, how tough it is to play against you know they've got a bit of everything they work hard for their manager and um, and they've got the big fella up front that can hurt you and obviously Brandon brings them a bit of pace as well so uh, yeah like I said they've got players that can hurt you in, in this league yeah, I think anybody can beat anybody on the day it's, it's so tough but, but yeah I'm, I'm confident regarding Saturday and, and we have to turn up and be professional and, and do the right thing Do you have any injury worries uh, Christian Bielik Lewis Page Jake Forster Kasky um, yeah we've got a few injury worries um, so we've got Patrick Bauer he's got a bit of a sore knee um, he took a knock on Saturday Christian obviously with his shoulder um, Lyle Taylor he's come in his, his groin's tight um, and Johnny Williams a bit of a sore knee again took a, took a knock so and obviously Pagey and Kasky they're, they're fine there's a game here today behind closed doors that they'll be playing in so um, get some more minutes into them to but yeah it's got a few little knocks so it's just been a case of looking at the bigger picture for me The players you've mentioned are key players for you Is what are the chances of uh, any of them playing? <clears throat> I'll have a discussion with them this morning um, and then I'll take matters into my own hands because they'll all want to play they want to play every game and uh, but I, I, I won't be silly if it's going to maybe affect something in the long run then, then they won't be playing There we go Lee Bayer looking ahead to Saturday's trip to Gillingham uh, some injury problems he's, he's been talking about. We're in this stage of the season now where it really, really doesn't matter about the result on Saturday. So, I mean, you'd assume it wouldn't be worth taking any risks with any players. The likes of Lyle Taylor were even mentioned there, uh, who, of course, is a massive player for us. But at the same time, with the Igor injury last week, Bayo said he played him because he didn't want to risk him getting uh, too much out of match fitness so it'd be interesting to see which way he goes for some of those 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 uh, sort of bigger players this weekend yeah um, I think I mean from what what obviously Bo just said it wouldn't surprise me if he, he might go Igor and Josh again I think if if there's any doubt whatsoever with Lyle I, there's no way in this world I would risk him um, the other players you know maybe but I think if Lyle doesn't play for me, I don't think we're going to score many goals and I don't think we'll win. So I think I'd wrap him up in cotton wool. If that means he misses, or he, play, he plays half hour for the Rochdale game, then so be it. That's what I'd rather. Um, Parker's not had many minutes against his former club. You give it a go. So, yeah, I mean, and, and same for sort of Pat, really. I'd say the same. Even though we've got Piercy, it's, we're going to, I don't want Pat to be missing for the big games in the playoffs. And then having to play two left-sided centre-halves because we know how unbalanced we were um, when that came in. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think if he's if they're 90% then he were, but I think if there's any risk whatsoever, I don't think he'll play him, I agree. Hmm. So, yeah. in, in that case, Tom, how, how how do you line up the light? So, Lyle Taylor, for example, happy to go with a partnership of, of Vettikele and Parker? He, needs, he, he does need some minutes, Josh Parker. If we are, for whatever reason, going to have to call upon him in the playoffs... We can't have him as rusty as he's been so far. Yeah, I think 
Yeah, I agree. And I think you probably do have to start him. Uh, I'm not expecting anything particularly special, but like Nath, I, j- I just don't think it's worth the risk. And as I say, we burnt out towards the end of last season and I don't think we're in danger of doing that now. But if you play players who are who are half fit, same with Jake and, and Lewis, just don't do it. Just, just rest and make sure they're fit and ready because as Bo said in his press conference, we've potentially got five games left. Um and they're going to come, you know, fairly quick succession, particularly those those potentially free playoff games. So we just got to be careful, manage the squad, give the likes of Albi, who I thought was impressive the other day, George, um, Josh. Why not play them and, and see what happens? Because we're we're not going to drop out of the playoffs now. As I say, I don't think you should be manufacturing where you finish in the in the four just to play a certain team because you can't predict that. So if if we if we end up struggling a little bit because of our goal threat because we've rested Lyle then so be it if it means he's ready for Portsmouth or Sunderland or whoever we play then then that's the way round I'd do it Jules have only won two in their last six uh, but luckily for them one was against Wimbledon one was against Plymouth that's given mm. them just about enough now They've, I mean, they are, they are safe if it, again right, uh, other than a goal difference disaster they are safe now so they can just go into this what is of course their cup final mm. with a clear head and just worry only about trying to beat the mighty Cholton who are travelling down to what essentially is the third world. Yeah. <laughs> no offence to any expats who live in Gillingham and listen to the show. Yeah. It's a I joke. Mean, <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, listen, I mean, they're, like you say, they're safe. They've got nothing to lose. There's no pressure. There's no pressure on us. So it could turn out to be a boring nil-nil. But you know, we don't really, don't really care, to be honest. I mean, I agree with Tom. I'd play... Um, I'd, I'd make wholesale changes. I'd probably play Prattley, Ariba, uh, Prattley, Lapsley and Albie. I'd play them three. I'd just give them a run out, you know. Or just three players. I know, and then the other one, probably Ben Reeves or something. Yeah, but... so just four players. I'd play 11, definitely. No, no, just four, mate. We could be <laughs> four behind a bus or right. a caravan. Rather. Yeah, right. We've run out of time here on Charlton Live, uh, the big match preview. Thank you for listening. My voice has just about got the whole way through. I think I only dropped out once. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed the show. Tom and Nay, thanks for coming in. Cheers, Cheers boys. I've been Louis Mendes. This has been Charlton Live, the big match preview. We'll be back here on Sunday, hopefully, uh, if I survive <laughs> with my voice uh, to talk about whatever happens uh, at the game against Julian. We look forward to seeing you then. See you later. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.